and he gave a speech. Nice. Yep. What'd you say? Talked about Star Wars. <laughs> I said about a whole round for the bar. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, you drunk? No, not yet. Actually. Not yet. Oh. Didn't everybody thought I was, but that's it wasn't. something I would do after drinking. No, I won. Uh, I won that that bucket, uh, a champagne glass, and something else. And so I was like, "Oh, I'll buy the whole round, a whole round for the bar." Yeah. And Mike's like, "Cool." So I did, and he's like, "You're buying a whole round for the bar. You have to give a speech." So I gave a speech. Nice. Christmas time. Merry Christmas, High Life. I love it. That's how I ended the speech. Merry Christmas, High Life. Yeah. <laughs> How was your trip down to Kentucky? Oh, man. It was awesome. It was... Uh, it's it, it's a place where it never gets old. Mm. So when you go down, you're like, holy shit, this is really cool. I yeah. mean, and I've been there a couple times already. But then when you're actually immersed in it there, it's a whole different ballgame. Hmm. You know, because if you think about it, you know, when like when you went down, yep. you know, you, you got a tour that no one else gets. Uh, it better be that way. Yeah, well, it is that way. You know, it's what they call the VIP tour. Did I tell you that how one guy tried to come on to our tour? <laughs> Which guy? <laughs> Just a random guy. Just a random guy <laughs> trying to jump on. He was he was confused. It wasn't his fault. Oh, okay. But yeah, Jordan just came out and said, is there a Jake here? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, I can be Jake. Um, I just think he was confused about what was happening because it was the, you know, it was like 930 in the morning. So right before the first gotcha. tour started. Yeah. Yeah. So he, uh, he's like, oh, so, uh, who are your guests? I'm like, well, this is my wife. I don't know who that guy is. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, he's not with you. I'm like, no. <laughs> that sounds about right. Anyway. Cause it actually happened, uh, when I was down there, we were, uh, in front of the castle getting ready to go to lunch and this older couple came up and was like hey you know we just want to know where the shop is because we we couldn't get a tour mm -hmm. so we just want to know where the shop is so that we could <coughs> excuse me and go and buy bottles and other things and i'm like well this tour just went in you know and there's only like six people in it i don't think you know two more is gonna hurt them yeah. They're like, oh, we, we couldn't do that. Oh, we couldn't. Yeah, you can. That's what you're really here for. Just say you're lost and you were just following the crowd, you know, so maybe to get out or to find your way, you know, no big deal. But I uh, ended up seeing them on the way back because the tours, if you take a public tour, I think it's like an hour long. I think 45 minutes an hour. But when you get a, a VIP tour, it's like an hour and a half, almost two, because they mm. incorporate a tasting and maybe some cocktails and whatnot towards the end. Just, you know, a little bit more insight and depth. Um, but I was saying, you know, when when they're, you know, when you're actually not just seeing it for a quick moment and a quick photo op, but you're actually there yeah. having meetings, helping out labeling whether it be labeling or rolling barrels or whatever may be the case you you feel like you're actually truly a part of it you know and not just sitting on an island you know yeah in your you know respective markets and all that so i really appreciate the efforts that they really put forth to really include us in everything that goes on you know there every day in our weekly meetings or you know my boss calls me maybe two three times a week mm -hmm. not to check in or anything it's more like, hey, how's it going? Hey, I saw this pop up. What are your thoughts? Hmm. Or, hey, I, 
this came to mind. What are your thoughts? Or just checking in and saying what's up. Mm. You know, not just your typical every Monday, 8.45 a.m. to 9.45, you know. Let's talk about what's going on. What are your wins? What are your losses? Blah, blah, blah. You know, which is important, too, mm-hmm. in a team, you know, dynamic. But at the same time, they also take – they're really good about taking a personal approach. You know, it's just the, the hospitality doesn't end at the gate. It continues on. It's really cool. Allegedly. <laughs> How many yeah. other market managers are there in the U.S.? So, plus me, uh, there's six. Oh, there's that many. Yeah, so there's six of us. So I'll, I'll handle the Midwest. Uh, Griff handles uh, chains um, throughout. Um, Brooke handles Tennessee and Indiana, Kentucky, Tennessee. Red handles the um, New York, Connecticut, New Jersey market. Mm. Um, Kevin handles South Carolina, Georgia. Oh, I know Kevin. Uh, Kevin Worthington. Sure. I know him. Do you really? Yeah. No shit. Yeah. How do you know him? We shared an Uber ride at Tails, and then we... Get the fuck out of here. Are you serious? I didn't tell you this. No. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. And then proceeded to get really drunk with him, (laughs) and then ran into him about three or four nights later. (laughs) And then, that's awesome. That's that's, that's cool to know. Your whole team down there. Yeah. I think it was the night before their event. I couldn't make it to Oh, yeah. So that was uh, Philip. Yeah. Philip handles Oklahoma, Louisiana, and Texas for us. Maddie uh, handles uh, Florida. I think that was her who I met. And then Jordan was there. You met Alex. Sure. (laughs) Alex and Jordan joined them at Tails. Gotcha. uh, And uh, Brett. And Brett. I thought Brett would be taller. Really? Yeah. Uh, Brett's not a name that I would associate with height. You know who I thought was going to be a lot taller? Who's that? I don't know if you've met him yet in person. Who's that? Matthew Spector. You know what? It's funny you say that. Phil said the same thing. He goes, when you see him on Instagram and everything, you're like, man, this cat's like at least six foot minimum. Yeah. And about 220, 230. Yes. <laughs> Philip challenged him to an arm wrestle. Yeah, I Did you? Were you there? I was there. <laughs> it's like, why would you? This kid takes care of himself physically. You know, it's like, you know, Philip. And he Phillip would say. Philip has a knee brace on. I just kick him right in the knee. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I heard great stories from you guys down there. Brett, too. Brett's mentioned a couple things. So that's been, that's been cool, though. So why Remember were you in Kentucky? Uh, we were having our sales retreat. Mm. Um so last year they went to Chattanooga, I believe, for the sales retreat. But there was only three of them last year. John, Griff, and Brooke. <laughs> what a retreat. <laughs> what a retreat. Uh, so an affordable retreat, nevertheless. Um, yeah. But for us, it was a cool way to... Obviously, the intent was to bring us all together to meet. Um, we see one another on you know on Zoom calls every Monday. Um, and we, but you know, you can't really get a feel for someone that way. No. So I, the intention, again, being a very hospitable brand and very thoughtful brand, was to bring everyone together just so that we can get to know one another, just to hang out with one another, just really see how what the dynamic would be with all of us in one room. Got to practice what you preach, baby. Pretty much, yeah. So it was cool. It was. Um, no one came across different. Everyone was exactly the same as they were on Zoom calls or in <laughs> phone calls or on text. We have a group text. Um, and then we have that phone call every Monday morning. And then um, 
so yeah, everyone was exactly what you would hope they would be. Not That's necessarily good. guess what they would be like. Hmm. Is a lot of the focus about bourbon these days? Yeah. Because yeah. the batches are coming out. The batches are coming out, yeah. New batches are, fresh batches are now hitting the markets, uh, releasing tomorrow, Thursday, September 1st. <laughs> I forgot my dog was down here. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. what? She's over here. Right what is there. that? I was like, what is that thing behind um, Yeah, so the, bourbon is obviously the topic of conversation. Uh, every conversation had, whether it be email, text, and or you know, face-to-face. Bourbon is the first thing out of people's mind. Um, well, mind and their mouths. But the focus for us was more not just bourbon but the other developments that we have going on mm. and how each of us play a different part so what's really cool that at castle and key that's really cool is that we are also part of panels you know there's a tasting panel there's a strategic panel there's a leadership panel there's different panels that you can belong to and or be a part of um so we got to meet that team as well and spend time with them <laughs> Where's her ball at? Don't worry. Is that her pad? Yeah. Just guys on her potty pad. I'm yeah. No, it was it was a, a really cool time just to come together. So we you know got to know one another, um, hang out with one another, bounce ideas off of one another. But what I also really really liked, what really stood out was the conversations that we had with. Um, the main people at the helm, you know, Will Arvin, our owner, our founder slash owner, uh, CEO, if you will, if in that regard, um, he was involved the whole week. We didn't just see him once. We saw him every morning, afternoon, evening. Hmm. Um, John Newton, our director of sales, um, also mm-hmm. very involved. Um, Brett Connors, obviously considered our head blender along with his side, um, kick um john brown who's also he's qc also uh head blender um yeah please um operations jessica and operations sedina and hospitality uh our controller we he has a really great team of advisors he had a couple buddies in from his college his college years that joined us he was they were so curious about his business and how it's done he goes you know you need (laughs) he goes you need to sit in on this you know you're we're not gonna we don't trade we don't have trade secrets you know we we all do essentially everything yeah we we have the same commonality or the same objective are you the intention is always different though was it was it intentional to release more batches during september which is bourbon heritage month um that's a very good question um it was actually a surprise. It was it was more because we released batch one, two, and three. Obviously, uh, we should also say that you work for Castle and Key. Yeah, oh yeah. I don't know if I actually mentioned that. <laughs> yeah. Wilson's talking about Castle and Key right now, which is a Kentucky distillery out of Kentucky. Frankfurt. Yeah, Frankfurt, Frankfurt. Versailles. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right next door to Versailles, Kentucky, Milt- Milton, Milltown, or. Something like that. Do they say Versailles, Versailles. They say Ver. I say I've heard both. I call it Versailles. I'm more fancy in French. So yeah. So I call Versailles. it V Town. Because we in Des Moines call yeah. it De Moi. De Moi. Yeah. I, I just say V Town. You know. Yeah. That's, that's, that makes sense. But yeah, you're, so what you're talking about is going down 
to the actual old Taylor Distiller, which is yeah. now Castle and Key, mm-hmm. um, which has been well documented on this podcast and I'm sure many other platforms too. Yeah. But if you want to go back and listen to one of our episodes, go find it somewhere in the 100 and something section. It's in there. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah, we recorded that one when I got back from being hired on, actually. Yeah. That was November of last year. Can you believe we are like six episodes from 200? Are we? Something like that. I've been out of the loop uh, in, in the sense where <laughs> I haven't been participating as much. Not, I mean, I've been in the loop, just not participating. So I appreciate you having me back nicely. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome me back. But no, uh, cause, so I was wondering, you know, there is a lot of bourbons that come out in the fall. Yeah. But a lot of things that are kind of, it seems to be focused around Bourbon Heritage Month, which is the month of September. Um, right. I think it's probably more of a bigger play. In Kentucky, um, sure. Those parts of the, I don't even know about the other states. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think so either. You know, quite honestly, you know, when while down there, we were discussing, you know, the bourbon that's obviously now in market heading shelves over the leading up to this weekend, Labor Day weekend, and into the you know we're releasing it from the distillery tomorrow. Oh, so nice. everywhere else nationally will go on market as of Friday morning um we're recording on august 31st the eve the of, eve of bourbon heritage of bourbon, bourbon heritage yeah because like you know i feel like it's become more uh for other distilleries outside of kentucky that produce bourbon i think it's become more of a social media marketing ploy yeah not not, not there's anything wrong with that but for pre- previous distilleries you and i've worked for you'd, you'd post about it maybe do one thing sure in, in coordination with the month if sure. it was through a special tour or some mm-hmm. sort of tasting but other than that it was mostly just oh cool we can start posting about bourbon for a month and right get into the algorithm and the hashtags 30 days all of bourbon that. Yeah. and so on and so forth uh, bourbon heritage month you I'm, know kentucky bourbon trail i mean i drink every day so just assume, yeah just assume there's a bourbon in there somewhere it's along. funny yeah you know it's funny you say that because you know a lot of you know i First of all, I want to thank everyone who does follow me on on social media. Thank you for the love and thanks for checking in. Um, but at the same time, you know, I got this question earlier today. It was like, hey, what what does it mean to you to work for a distillery? What does it mean mm. for you to what, what does bourbon mean to you? You know, and it's like, yeah, you know, I I wouldn't say bourbon is life, or mm-hmm. my life is revolves revolves around bourbon. Or do you mean by bourbon whiskey? By bourbon whiskey. Okay. Yeah. I, it's just, it's an unconditional aspect of my life. You know, it's, mm. it's something that I, I do enjoy sharing, uh, per my role at Castle and Key. Mm. Um, but it's something that I really like to indulge in. I mean, to your point every day, I mean, I have a sip of bourbon every mm. day, yeah. whether it be a bourbon or a rye, it's in my glass some part of the day even especially after hours right you know, so you get home from you know our days and market and whatnot do you find that where i i am to the point now I, I hate drinking through the day and obviously we have to do it for our jobs yeah uh, not like drunk but just drink no it's sampling yeah you know, but like yesterday talk. it's like 12 15 and i'm having my first sample of whiskey in the day and i'm like i don't yeah, yeah. but i do get excited now especially like on the weekends or just a night, like on Mondays for my admin day at home and don't really go out into the market yeah. usually on Mondays. 
so like at five, I'm excited to come downstairs and like pick a bottle off yeah. the shelf and start having like an ounce of whiskey. I agree. And then, you know, I actually have, I usually have meetings that night with our Australian office. So, um, <laughs> lit myself, lit so myself to like one and then, yourself. yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> go indulge a little bit more, but it's not like getting drunk, but just having like maybe three different sips, uh, or pours in a night. And yeah. I think last night, for example, I had, what did I have last night? Actually, I had some Castle and Key rye. Did you? Yeah, some Restoration oh, rye. Appreciate it. Thank I you. had a pour of Bunahaben. Um, I don't know what it was. Jack sent me it, actually. Jack sent it to you? And, but it said Buna on it. I'm like, well, it really sums oh. up what... I'm pretty sure it's Bunahaben. Um okay. <laughs> No idea what which one it was. Oh, that'd be interesting. And then I I think I had a pour of uh, Solera as well. Mm. But yeah, just was like, yeah, yeah, I applied three one ounce pours of each and maybe an ounce and a half of yeah. one of them. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I, it's actually funny you say that because now that I think about it, I had a half of an, I had a half, a, a quarter of an ounce, maybe call it half. Yeah. Of the new bourbon batches that are in land. Again, shameless plug. Um, four, five, and six. Because I, I just so releasing four, three at a time. So we have so three batches were sent up. Um, again, this was not on purpose. Mm. This just happened. He's like, we have it. Let's get it out. You know, um, it happens to come in in September. It happens to, you know, be be the beginnings of what we call SOND in our industry. You know, September, October, November, December for sales. You know, which is our busiest of the year. Uh, for those. Uh, who don't understand SOND or the its acronym, but at the same time, it was just, it happened to be. Um, so Illinois is one of those markets that we're able to get all three batches at once um, because why not? You know, so now uh, when orders are being fulfilled this coming week and weekend, you know, they'll just, they'll be getting lots of four, five, six, maybe both. I don't know, maybe three of the, I don't know. I don't think it was on purpose. I think it was just happened to be, hey, we got it ready. Let's let's get it out there. So, hmm. but um, yeah. So I tried a half an ounce of each just to compare the difference. You know, their batches. So there's much 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 smaller batches than the first uh, three. No, well, the first two were 80, 80 barrel blends. Uh, batch three was a forty fifty barrel blend, and then uh, four five six or sixty barrel blends. Yeah, it's not very much. No, it's not a lot. Because, huh, I mean, like, we've been blending together 25 barrels for just a batch. For just a batch. Yeah, that's come, yeah. I mean, that's not like we don't batch it off in numbers anymore because yeah. obviously we've been doing it for a number of years, over a decade. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but, yeah, so I had that. Um, we're going to we're gonna release an Australian bourbon. Are you really? No. Oh, that'd be cool. The illegal. Well, it would be, but, I mean, you can call it, you can use your base. I guess you probably could call it Australian you could bourbon. It, you could call it I'm Australian sure they, bourbon. I mean, I don't know. You know, probably could not. call Australian finished bourbon. There you go. Yeah, you know, I whatever, think. The, whatever the hell that means. Whatever the hell that means. It's mm. like toasted. True. Know. I mean, for bourbon to be toast, you know, you can't call it a toasted bourbon. Right. It has have to bur- be in a charred receptacle of some sort. Yeah. Not but a, you can have it on the label as you long can as have it on the label. as long as it's uh, fedangled yeah, the right way with the wording. Um, but I had highballs yesterday to answer your question. Oh. Love a good highball. Love a great highball. I've actually been drinking so many highballs out in the market because, mm-hmm. excuse me, when I go out drinking um, in the market, you know, stop by a place for lunch, stop by stop by a place for let's say uh, happy hour, and then go visit a few more accounts. Um, 
oh, I'll just have highballs because A, you stay hydrated. I usually don't even drink the whole thing. Yeah. Water's down the whiskey. So yeah. not that I, if I'm drinking more at a quicker pace, if I'm out for an enjoyment versus out for work, yeah. I'll drink it faster, but I always love a good highball because just a nice relaxing way of uh, having whiskey. Obviously helping out with the consumption of your balls off the back bar <laughs> as well. And by I keep doing it so much that people ask, last, it was two weeks ago I was out in the market, I think four different buyers were like, do you only drink this as highballs? <laughs> and I'm like, no, no. And like, you only ever ordered yeah. it as highballs. I'm like, well, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because... It's um, easy. It's refreshing. It's, yeah, and that's the reason why I enjoy them is because it's refreshing. It does obviously dilute the whiskey down to merely nothing. But again, when you're out all day... Yeah. You want to show support and you want to, you know, have felt, you know, share the in fellowship with your, you know, either your distributor representatives and or, you know, owners and or just, you know, bourbon friends that you meet along the way. You just make it through the day a lot safer and a lot easier. Especially if you have to drive. Yeah. 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 Usually if I, but if I'm coming into the city, I know that's going to happen. I take the train, which is awesome. So yeah, that's easy. But when you're driving. Not promoting drinking and driving. Not promoting. Please drink. When I say like all is a visit. It's like, you know, have a drink. Don't have another one for like an hour and a half. Right. Two hours. And mm-hmm. then on to the next place and then drive yeah. an hour somewhere else and yeah. all that fun stuff. Drink, you, drink responsibly and safely. Have you noticed if when you walk into bars and or restaurants and if they obviously know you well enough they're like oh okay yeah this is my star ward guy this is my yeah. castle key guy so on and so forth they always place that first thing in front of you is that glass of water with a bottle of it to refill and then give you a chance to kind of like sip on that and then they come in and bring you whatever it is that you want to sip on i don't know if that's automatic for everyone but i've noticed that that's certain kind of, people yeah for sure you yeah. Know, yeah certain bartenders and or you know Place, People just places. bring me highballs now. They just bring you highballs. <laughs> what would you like to wash down with? Yeah. What do you want to wash back with that? Another highball? Give me a yeah. Give me a Lafroy twenty five, please. <laughs> Neat. I love it, man. Well, what does bourbon mean to you? You know, that's a very good question. Outside of your role, outside of my role, it's 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 something. Yeah, that's that's really hard to answer for me because um, bourbon affected my life in, in different aspects of it. I can tell you that it's really, I guess you can say, really have taken control of my senses. Like all five of my senses now right. are like really in tune. Like I'm in tune with them. Yeah, um, I feel that's what, if anything, maybe what bourbon has been to me. But what it means to me is, I, I really don't have a, hmm. a a real answer for that, you know. Because oh, I can't say it's life, because <laughs> you know, oh, bourbon is life, you know. Salt is life. Yeah, you know, football is life. Yeah. you know. But it's I don't know. I I don't really have a true answer. But I do know that it plays an unconditional part in my I, life. That's really that's a really nice answer though when it comes to senses because when I started working in the whiskey industry, um, I don't remember who told me it. I've probably, I've probably said on this podcast before, but someone told me to start studying everything you eat with mm. your nose and your, in your palate, because that'll really help you taste whiskey. And then putting that all into play about how your nose can affect your taste mm. by what you're smelling and what you're tasting. And then how certain things like allergies can throw your, throw everything off or yeah, uh, at certain times of the year it can throw off your senses as well. And then, you know, I think there's also a direct sense of sight and vision when it comes to whiskey. Mm-hmm. 
but that's all now seeped into other parts of my life. Yeah. You know, it starts as this is a career, this is a career, not option, but a career, a component of your, of your career. And then it starts to distill down pun intended, uh, <laughs> into other aspects of your life. And you start to notice how almost like your body works in unison, not because mm. like, your senses all do work yeah. in unison to you know create taste and flavor and yeah. whatever it may be because you see a bottle of whiskey let's take that for example on the mm-hmm. shelf and looking at this bottle of still austin um in front of us it's like an amber hue to it mm-hmm. and then you start to smell it yeah uh i didn't smell it just drank mine we just drank mine <laughs> um, <laughs> you know and then that 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 will affect your taste and you get like the saltiness and like a cashew flavors to it as well yeah. a little bitterness to it and and that kind of comes all into play once you consume it, and it starts with what you see. Yeah, the bottle too. But yeah, it's really definitely affected my whole my whole life when yeah. it comes to not just drinking, but eating, even mm-hmm. breathing. You, yeah. So more connoisseur. I I mean, and that's yeah. I yeah, just don't know. Your whole yeah, too. I don't know how else to answer that because it's. I mean, people are like, well, but if you don't, if you didn't have bourbon, you wouldn't have a job. I'm like, I would have a job. Right. It's just a different job. <laughs> I was just thinking about that the other day. I was like, you so know. we were, I mean, it's funny because you and I were talking about uh, our uh, ages of 25 and 26, respectively, yeah. and what we were doing with our lives. And in that time period, I almost moved back to Des Moines. It was about 24 or 25, I almost moved back to Des Moines. Yeah. And I was thinking, what would I do if I didn't just commit to moving to Chicago? Yeah. And I was like, well, probably working in breweries. I would have done the the whole event planning thing I did at the time. And then I started doing freelance work for some breweries around that time period. But that was right when Des Moines was starting to see a very high um, renaissance, if you will, of breweries. Because breweries were like, hey, we have the best fucking soil in the world. Why would we not grow some corn and barley and whatever shit to make some beer uh <laughs> such a said it so uh you know so beautifully after we had uh nick nagel on from yeah, uh, yeah you, last week that was, was very eloquent was eloquently <laughs> describing <laughs> the actual seed to seed and grain and growth and seed agriculture to, sips, to yeah to the distillery and to the sip at the end of the day but yeah i was like i'll probably be working in beer i'll probably be working yeah. in alcohol but just because we work in whiskey doesn't mean it has to be our entire lives. And sometimes Great. it does become that you look into our, like my house, you have hundreds of bottles, yeah. you have whiskey decor, you have, um, fucking picture of me proposing with a whiskey bottle <laughs> to my <laughs> wife. Uh, and it, it makes me want to step back a lot of times yeah. and just be, and just be like, it doesn't have to consume everything we do. Mm-hmm. And I think that has happened a lot online over the last couple of years sure. where these, a lot of uh, whiskey personalities on social media act like whiskey is life. And when they meet us in person, they realize like that's not everything about us. It seems yeah. to be a shock to some people. Mm-hmm. We're like, Oh no, like I can like, I can just drink high life. Yeah. You know, when it comes to the spirits world or alcohol world, I don't have to drink whiskey the entire time or, you know, like I, yeah. I, like you really get up at like 6 a.m. and go running. Like, yeah, yeah. There's a yeah. reason why I like the way I do and the reason why you look the way you do. 
<laughs> Ouch. Oh, Ooh, shots fired. Oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, it's like, I mean, yeah, if I yeah. didn't get up and work out five mornings a week, I would, God, I would probably weigh like 230 pounds. Which is which is back to the point that we originally yeah. agreed upon is with our, you know, it just really has put us in tune with our, our five senses and our tune in tune with who we are in our own bodies because and yeah. spiritually as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, if anything, I am grateful for bourbon. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm grateful for whiskey. Australian um, bourbon. You know, and uh, Kentucky. Um, but I, I am grateful because it really has put each of us on a path and direction mm. in life where we've really been able to develop um, professionally and really have, I feel... Uh, individually as individuals mm-hmm. and 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 then you know i just i have so much to be grateful for because of it um but it's it's funny because when we really think about it <clears throat> people's like well what happens when you know there it's impossible how can you be the best and i'm like what they're you know what does that mean what does that really mean yeah. what does that mean to be the it's best? not it's not a season no. it's not a sport where mm-hmm. at the end of the year at the end of the season there's a winner yeah a clearly defined exactly. winner yeah except from the bcs bull days except for the bcs bull <laughs> days <sighs> I say the AP. or the pre yeah or the pre, AP. pre that yeah even, pre that even you with know. the ap rankings and the coaches coaches <laughs> go games five nationals um but what i really do appreciate and again, I and it goes back to being grateful for it, not so much at being what it means to me. Hmm. I mean, I've I've gained things that mean a, a shit ton to me. Our relationship mm-hmm. be, because of of yeah. whiskey started in the distillery. My marriage because of whiskey. You know, right? Um, what I have materialistically, whiskey. Mm-hmm. What I have financially, whiskey. Whiskey. Hmm. You know, grateful, but that's not my life. Right, you know, and what I really do enjoy out of this is that, aside from us, and that was going back to my initial point, was you know, uh, being in tune with our senses. I'm really more in tune with people now, mm. much mm. more so because of it. Would you think because <clears throat> every story has a dis- every distillery has a story to tell, every individual has a story to tell? Yeah, well, we all have stories, mm. you know, and it's only history if it's repeated. Right. If you tell a story enough, it becomes history. You know, you can't, I mean, those, for for instance, it's with, you know, uh, let's take the world wars. Obviously, historic moments. But if you weren't there, how can you talk about it? Mm-hmm. I mean, how did, how did those facts come around, you know, surface? They were from letters. They were from, you know, old, you know, uh, obviously war plans and so on and so forth. So that you piece, you piece together something that happened then and then you honor it. Like at Castle and Key, we honor mm. the history of what bourbon whiskey is and whiskey is in the state of Kentucky via, you know, Colonel E.H. Taylor Jr. Never but heard. we're also challenging it at the same time. Right. It's okay to. We're not trying to rest- we're not telling history through his eyes and what he mm. did. We're telling our own story and we're going to tell it enough where it becomes historic. Tell it through the whiskey itself. Tell it through the whiskey itself, not my voice. I mean, we all find a voice in a story that you tell. Right, cuz we are storytellers. Cuz we are storytellers. But I get to a point where I'm just like, well, you know, what? I didn't write this shit, you know. Hmm. So why am I telling it? 
You didn't write what? I didn't write the history. I didn't write everything that is Castle and Key. Mm. I'm living it. Mm. So why not share that? I'm not going to tell you a story. I'm going to share you. I'm going to share with you what this this is. You know, okay. and just it just really cuts through the guff and all that in that regard. You get really down into it. Right. You really start talking about the actual whiskey and not mm-hmm. so much that. Now, the history is phenomenal. It's amazing. It's mystical. It's 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 historic. It plays a vital role, you know, in our foundation. Yeah. But at the same time, it's not who we are because we're going to continue to develop just like we have individually, you know, in this industry. We mm-hmm. have an opportunity to challenge what was what is considered history and 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 not tailor it no pun intended Mm. to who we are but we don't know who that is yet so we're allowing ourselves to just go with the flow which is why we don't have a master distiller which is why we don't have a master blender which is why we don't you know our mash bill is going to change why because we can Hmm. it is what it is now but if you tell a story over and over again my point is it becomes history but if you share a story it becomes more personal and that's what you that's what you for hang, sure that's what you hang your head on right because i think if you keep if you look at history if you look at i'm actually reading a book on the 90s right now and the whole point of it is that if you focus on a decade a 10-year period because whatever it may be from 1990 to 1999 or from 1981 to 1991, mm-hmm. you remember the specific things that become the caricature of that era. Yes. Like where, perfect example is people remember the 80s as neon, vibrant, <laughs> big, hair, big hair, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but that really wasn't until the late 80s. That was a part of it. Correct. But it's also the most memorable. It becomes defined then later on through different generations as an easy way to depict people from that time period. Mm-hmm. And then you start having like costume parties, eighties parties. You start yeah, thinking yeah. when movies and TV shows have a flashback to the eighties, it's yeah. the most easy way to define, to visually define mm-hmm. what time period you're in. Right. Bourbon can become that with so many brands, not saturating the market, mm-hmm. but just filling the market where you can be based off of certain mash bills, certain defined laws, which we have to follow to create bourbon. Mm-hmm. It's a good starting point, but then you can kind of branch out and go many different places. Correct. If Castle and Key, if any individual distillery doesn't start doing, like what you said, challenging what bourbon can be or challenging the how to make it, what to do in your own time period, in your own era, then you can become a character of bourbon and create nothing of quality. Yes, because essentially that's what we, at the end of the night, when we shut off the lights, that's what we consistently can say. And we, when the lights are shut off, of quality. And that gets back to <clears throat> when the lights are shut off, you don't have to carry that job with you into the other parts of your life. No, I don't. I won't. I won't let it. Except unless you go to an account for drinks or dinner. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, Friday nights are date night. So, you know, you know, we, we progressively have date night in this regard. So we'll start somewhere where it's an account for a cocktail to show mm. support and, and that, you know, and grateful, you know, and show our gratitude, you know. Uh, and then we'll move on to where we want to go eat. And we'll have wine or we'll just have water or whatever it may be. Yeah. It, it does. It, it, we turn it off. 
And that's something that uh, uh, even Sheila can attest to is, is that it's like, yeah, we, you know, a lot of people reach out to her to get to me, you know, <laughs> and not a lot. I'm right. not saying that they all do. I'm just saying they know that, oh, well, you know, Tumblr, you know, Tumblr and 312 May, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, sometimes they cross, but she's really good about, hey, no, let me ask them, you know, or she'll deflect uh, you know, or just redirect that question or whatever be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that I really also learned, you know, is the, the quality that it takes to, that we, that we put into making what we do, um, at Castle and Key, we also take the same approach to having a quality of life mm-hmm. outside of it. Which is difficult for people. Which is very difficult. It was difficult for me because, as you know, you know when you right. when you when you represent smaller regional brands, <laughs> you're doing you're going a lot harder. You're pounding more pavement. You're putting more miles on, yeah, to get that realized um, or to to be noticed. You know, whereas you come into you know something that's very highly anticipated. That alone helps you knock off maybe eight ten hours of your week right there and then. But you're still obviously vying, and you're still sharing that story. You're still sharing sips, you know, to mm-hmm. get to that point at the same time. Yeah, it is a difficult part. It's one of the most difficult parts of the industry, this industry, this position, um, which is my job. Obviously, it carries over into this passion project that makes us millions of dollars on the side. <laughs> Key to the lake, that is. Um, Lola, where are you going? Um where my wife notices it, where I'm at, at a bar, and then you start talking. Yeah. You're at a retail shop buying wine for the weekend, and the next thing you know, you're talking to the owner for 10 minutes, yeah. <laughs> completely ignoring <laughs> the people you're with. Yeah. But it's also about putting your putting your phone down yeah. um, at the end of the night yeah. and staying off of email. Yeah. When you get your computer open, because I do creative work for our company as well, mm-hmm. not opening the file that says Star Wars on it yeah. on the desktop. And it is something that's difficult because we both work for brands that are in that emerging category. Um, obviously, ours has been around for a little bit longer, about 10 years longer. Excuse you. <laughs> Sorry if the audience just heard my dog burp. Uh, <laughs> little husky girl. Um but as an emerging brand and as people who are a part of that, that process in the, from the very beginning, you know, from almost from the ground up, yeah. especially you with the brand launching across the United States, me with our brand launching in America, yeah, internationally, you feel much more compelled to do more work because you're, mm-hmm. you feel almost responsibility to it versus working for an established uh, heritage brand that's been around for decades yeah. 100 years, 200 years, which obviously there's still a lot of hard work to be done. Sure. But if you don't do your job, the brand's going to still live on. Mm-hmm. If we don't do our jobs, the brands might fail in our, in our city. Yeah, fizzles because we're still in that infancy oh, stage. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. And we take a lot of, I mean, it's a lot of pride. I think it shows character mm-hmm. as a human being. But you have to also have care for yourself and care for your family. Agreed. And turn that off to have responsibility. Um, and to give as much to your personal life as you do to your public slash professional life. Yeah, I agree. It's um, you dropped it. Good job. It's um, 
for me, it's become easier because our our principles and our, and even my own direct report. Uh, my boss, John Newton, shout out to mm-hmm. Sir Newt, stressed the facts like, "Hey, listen, let's shut it off. You're done. You know, it, I mean, they make it a point. Don't forget to take time. Mm. Don't forget to wind down. You know, I." Don't even. I rarely carry my phone over the weekends. Like <laughs> Carol and I were just talking about the hell. I rarely carry my. Yeah. We rely on Sheila's phone or one of our 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 kids' phones. You know, to if, if anyone wants to get a hold of us, they know how to some way somehow. You know, I just because hey, I'm done. Yeah. Unless I'm doing something on a Saturday, a tasting or an event or anything, yeah, I'll carry it. Of course, right. You, know, you have to. But aside from that, no, I'm done. Because essentially, my phone, aside from my family to reach me is a f- it's a working tool yes yeah. it's, it's a tool for work so i psh, nope i'm done uh friday after five i'm done i put it down you know i'm not ignoring you i'm looking for something to share <laughs> at, the, at the end at the end of the podcast okay. I, I agree with you because uh when my coworkers never just talked about this how uh we don't have work phones and we're like our company should pay for our personal phones because on the weekends, I don't even want to see my phone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm on it, like, check social media or scores, whatever it might be. But sure, I can also just leave it on the couch, come down here, yeah. and do whatever I want, whatever. And yeah. If it wasn't for, like, I really like listening to podcasts, like, in my free time at home, uh, when I'm just, like, doing whatever, that I probably wouldn't have my phone on me if that was the case yeah. on the weekends. Yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, it's it's not... Yeah, I, I'm just because I want to give. I want to do more with this podcast. I, th- I started off doing so much. Um, when it came to Key in the Lake, overall with you know videos for episodes and uh, these longer Instagram stories and posts with each, like try to do three to four posts for each episode as well, and hmm. all this work into it. But then it's like I just more time on my phone, and every time I start doing it and trying to give a little more into this thing, yeah. I'm like. I take a step back. I'm like, I don't want to be on my phone. Yeah. I, don't, I just don't want to be on. I'd rather be like reading, reading or walking my dog to the lake, especially in the yeah. summertime. When oh, we have yeah. three precious months of good weather we in Chicago. 90, we have 93 days. Yeah. It's like, summer, all right, so. street festival or yes. something. And it was, it's hard because you keep doing it. And yeah. I might've told, told on the podcast before, but beginning of the summer must have been like right at the beginning of May. We were at a really cool, um, artist festival up in Ravenswood. And I was texting and emailing with two or three buyers the entire time. The whole time. And I didn't realize it. And all of a sudden, my wife, yeah, hour and a half in, she's like, are you having fun? I'm like, yeah, it's cool. She's like, are you having fun just talking to people? I'm like, what? <laughs> she's like, you've been on your phone the entire time. And I thought it was so much more important to give that time and that presence to People that would totally understand if I just said, "Hey, it's Saturday. Yeah. I'll call you on Monday." Yeah. But I thought, no, it's like I gotta do this. Like this is like two or three big deals going yeah. down, and I, it was important work. Sure. But it's also work that could have waited. Yeah. So it's just how we categorize it individually. It's how you categorize it individually, it, but it's this irony because for me. Going back to history, I think bourbon is attaching yourself to American history. Because yes, it very much is entrenched in what's happened in this country, mm-hmm. and how it's developed, how it's expanded, blah blah blah. Um, it's also a rep- representation of freedom in this country. Um, I like that, but <laughs> at the same time, ironically, it shackles us. Mm. 
like that. <laughs> that's that's a that's a tough word right there, shackle. But I get it. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I can see that it constrains us to our jobs. Yeah, it, it, it really constrains does. us. It constrains us to our profession, which then distracts us from our personal lives. Well, if you really look at it from. By the way, we're both not complaining about our jobs. No, God, we, no like. I, I I, th- I feel even when I'm unhappy with my job, yeah. <laughs> I still love what I do I just gonna, and who I work for. I was just gonna say that. I, I was just I gonna. You're, I, I know to you're listening, Dave. That. I know you're listening. <laughs> I was just gonna qualify that because ultimately, um, the point that I was gonna make was basically concluding with the fact, like, but you know what? At the end of the day, we love what we do. Yeah, absolutely. Because I get I wake up in the morning and I say I get to go work. Yeah, I don't wake up in the morning and say, I have to go to work. Yeah. You know, it's just a matter of using terminology, using, I mean, attitude is everything, of course. Mm-hmm. But to your point, it's just like, uh, yeah, I love what I do. Yeah. I love what I do through and through. What I have had, what I have had the opportunity to do is really st- take a step back and reflect on what it is that I did in the past to get me to where I'm at today. <clears throat> You know, because it would probably, you know, it's and when you look at each of our distilleries, when you look at any other brands, our friends represent, you know, the level of effort that they need to put in is different per brand because of their size. Yeah. So the Sazerac heritage brands and all that. Or we go sell vodka like Matt Brown. Or you can just say, you know what, (laughs) I'm going to go sell American made vodka. And you know what? And he's probably having a ball doing he is. it. No, his his his, his deme- face, his demeanor is is yeah. is is a light bulb, right? You know, like I kind of want to see him now. <laughs> well, breaking news. No, but in all but in all seriousness, that's it's a perfect. Matt Brown is a perfect example. Matt Brown is one of those OGs, uh, brand ambassadors, uh, brand uh, market managers that has. You know, when craft distilling took off, he was in the, he was in the middle of it. Oh yeah, along with another friend of us, uh, Harrison Pius, also in the middle Fuck of it. Fuck that guy. <laughs> so you know, it's just so depending on the brand that you represent or the ind- or the category of industry that you're you're representing. I mean, your effort and your level and your level of love is different mm. um, because it affects. I don't know. I feel. We have two of our. Here's an example. I'm losing my my words because I have so much to share. But yeah, uh, Maddie and Maddie Reedy and Brooke Ashton, uh, Brooke Billinsley, uh, both came from Saz. You know, uh, Kentucky reps, Tennessee reps. You know, yeah. and um, they're like, you know what? Who do they work for now? Uh, they now work for us. Okay. So, um, Brooke is the Indiana, uh, Kentucky, Tennessee. Um, uh, market manager for us and then maddie now left you know tennessee and went down to florida to, to open up that market for us and manage it you know they have that you know uh distributor says rack mentality that's what they're mm. that's what their foundation is mm-hmm. but they're like yeah that's not who we are though we're a little bit more genuine we're a little bit more them individually or yeah your individually brand? okay so then now they're like we want to be us we want to be on the supplier side. So of course you know they get hired by us and they're happier than shit. Yeah, and, you know pig and shit. You know it's just why because I'm able to really focus in on one thing, and that's sharing this. You know, and that's getting this you know well known and within my my market and whatnot. So it's it becomes 
it's hard to really pinpoint everyone's true love level for what we do, you know, because of the situation or the circumstances that they work within it. Can I share a quote with you? Absolutely. For, or a passage, I guess, from a book. I've been, I finished a... Passages are just as uh, directional. It's true. Quotes. Um, it's actually a book called Lost in the Valley of Death, mm. which I highly recommend. Um, it's about a world traveler from America who was in search of something greater in his life, his entire life, until, um, spoiler alert, he uh, he passes away oh. in, in uh, India was most likely murdered. Oh. Yeah, but um he's a very fascinating person that I fell fell upon years ago through uh a podcast called Tangentially Spe- Speaking by Chris Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um who still does the podcast to this day. But this character named Justin was this world traveler who was seeking out something more sacred and something more important in life through his entire 36, 37 years. Wow. He might have found it at the very end, um, but he wrote in one of his uh, journals about uh, this particular part of his life um, before he went off to India on his last voyage. But he wrote, Years ago, all I wanted was to get out of the country and see the world. And I still do. But what I really want, what really seeking is freedom from monotony. America isn't a place to escape. Rather, it's a mindset we must abandon. This is a time. This is my time to rediscover home with new eyes and what a beautiful home it is. This was what he was doing a motorcycle trip through California, and I think it's an important passage, a relatable passage to what we're talking about right now, because we both have had jobs that you fall into this mundane, repeatable, monotonous routine. Mm where life becomes basically a computer program and you wake up, you go to work, you come home, you watch TV, you do nothing exciting with your life. Mm -hmm. This job affords us to do something exciting every day. Yesterday or the past, let's say the past week, look at my, my time. I was in Austin drinking seven grand, doing a whiskey class going out to good restaurants, hanging out with cool people all through that great little city. Excuse me. Did a huge whiskey festival in San Antonio a couple nights later. Yesterday I'm sitting in Delilah's, which um, people see, people have voted as one of the best, one of the world's best whiskey bar. Um, just sitting in there with the owner, manager, having a drink, just us three, shooting the shit, yeah. planning stuff. Having a nice dinner that night. And that's all within like a five-day time period. It's a very fortunate opportunity to have. And I don't want people to think that we take our careers and our and our jobs for granted because we don't whatsoever. No. And I know there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that would love to have the careers that we have. Um, and so I take it precious. But at the same time, you can find monotony in anything you do i agree but with our job with our line of business it gives it affords us that freedom at the same time and sometimes you just step back like in that passage and rediscover what you love about whiskey in this case but also just in life what you love in general i agree i i I love that passage because of the fact that it's so i was sent one today um, mm. I wasn't sent one. It was shared with me. Um, it was a cute little store 
in uh, the town that Sheila and I live in. It's called uh, Whisper Me Home. It's a cute little home store, if you will. You know, just buying yeah. cute little things yeah. for the house, whatnot. And um, the owner, Scott and Heidi, great couple, great people. She posted a customer of hers who had uh, a passage that she found uh, inspirational, framed um, by Scott, who's a craftsman in his own right. And you can't read it, so I was curious to know what's the quote. So um, if right. I may, to Please. follow yours, I think this is, it plays, it really does piggyback what you just shared. Um, and this is by uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald. Oh, he said, one of my favorites. We can make the best. Or the most of it. Hmm. I hope you make the best of it. I hope you live a life you're proud of. If you find that you're not, I hope you have the strength to start all over again. Hmm. That. Uh, well, that's very pertinent to both of us. Yeah. And how we found ourselves and in this industry. We, yeah, exactly. I was When I read it, I was like, holy crap. Well, how fitting. Because I knew we were going to talk about Bourbon Heritage much today. And I purposely didn't write any points of uh, thoughts or ideas because yeah. I wanted it to That's be. Not how this podcast it's, it, it's not, <laughs> but the intent behind it was to really reflect on the industry and what we what we do and how we do it and how it goes down and so on and so forth. I and the wrong bottle. And um, yeah, so it's yeah, so it goes back to the original question. You know, what does it mean? What did, what does bourbon mean to us? Well, you know. Is, um, is bourbon a meaning? Because when you really look at bourbon, bourbon is a thing. Bourbon is a thing. It's, it's a thing. But it's also, I think it's, it, it's an idea. Um, yeah. I think it's, it's also a great idea. It's a character <laughs> coming back to American history. It's a character in its itself, but it's also a character that shouldn't get lost inside or be consumed of what it is, and it gets back to. What I was talking to you about earlier about becoming a caricature caricature of the of that era of this whiskey. Everyone should do it differently in their own sense. There shouldn't be no I guess for lack of better terms, caricature of bourbon because everyone should, can do it differently. Everyone has their own process to do it. If Correct. we're just re- recreating the wheel, repeating the wheel, the steps of people who come before us, then what's the point? Where's the fun in that? Where's the exploration? We're just now repeating history. Right, like you said, and like for me, it's a lot to do with family. Uh, having somebody in my family that worked in the bourbon industry before me, having my wife work in the bourbon industry at some point. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize I had my microphone turned up so loud. I'm sorry for everybody who's just uh, been listening to that very loudly. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was turning up your microphone. Um, you have a tendency not to speak very loud. You've actually been good. So, uh, but um, yeah, I've lost my train of thought on it. I guess, but for me, it, grandpa. yeah, I, I don't have to always talk about that fool. Um, <laughs> Bruce is uh, your dad, and then it was Ernie, right? Yeah, Bernie. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just it's it's become. I think maybe a little too important in my life, and I think about it way too much about how it fits into everything. Uh, I, I no, I, I just mean like things. A lot of things I don't share with other people. Yeah. As Lois trying to pull apart the studio, um, <laughs> when I read like that book, Lost in the Valley of Death, as I read this book um, called The Nineties, as I've this other book in front of me called The Philosophy of Tattoos, 
I always try to relate to what I read to my to myself to my life. I think it's a way of remembering the text and a way of integrating yourself into the story, so you find it more compelling to turn the page after each page is completed. You can dig that. But at the same time, I also like relate it back to whiskey too much because I'm always thinking about, you know, adding more to the Lake, adding more, um, more for myself personally mm-hmm. versus professionally. Like I would love to do the Lake, the whiskey podcast itself, the premier whiskey podcast without the mention of whiskey. Without the mention of whiskey in his name. Um, except for it does now. <laughs> and it has for a very long time. As a, as a profession, that'd be great. Is that possible? Uh, sure. I've had conversations with people about, like, hey, if you do this and that and this and that, I'm like, yeah, I could definitely do that, but yeah. that's an entire full-time job attached to another full-time job. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to neglect my personal life. And I think what the, converse, the theme of this conversation has been how do you balance your personal life with your professional life when our professional lives can so easily seep into our, our personal lives? Because... Mm-hmm. We're a city based around drinking and eating. <laughs> and, True. That's a very good point. We're a city yeah. about celebrating drinking and eating, too. And we, we like to raise a toast. Yeah. Each and every possibility. We love to celebrate. That's for sure. <laughs> no. As my dog is eating some Star Wars boxes. <laughs> but it gets back to, how to how, I guess, having that balance and having that, that way of honoring and remembering the past and history, but just not, it's not, I don't want to say replicating it or repeating it. Cause that's such an easy excuse and easy way of saying, of, of saying a life lesson, Okay. but almost like if more of creating your own history and leaving yes. something behind. Yes. It's what we, what uh, maybe I think in Spanish. So the words may not be right in English. Say it in Spanish, I'll interpret it. <laughs> it's I think you're talking about legacy. Yeah, definitely. But yeah. and that's why so many of our friends have started whiskey distilleries as a le- as a legacy to leave on for their families. Yeah. But at the same time then when you establish a legacy, then the expectation behind it is that someone is gonna carry that on the same story over and over again so when does it really challenge anything but look at the russells you know like eddie started his own line yes um based off of wild turkey yeah to start kind of creating what he's doing yeah Uh, i've had i don't know bruce his son i've had conversations about him weirdly (laughs) (laughs) um you're just like about how like oh he's always on the road doing this and that as I, as I travel through markets, be like, oh, yeah, yeah, Bruce is awesome and doing this. But then he went back to the distillery to learn everything from the ground up, which yeah. also what the Beam family, the No family has done over at Jim Beam, too. As well. Mm-hmm. And maybe he's starting to develop his own whiskey, his own you know sense of, sense of self within the family of Wild Turkey. I believe he has, and I think he will. I feel the same thing for Freddie over at Beam. Um They've already made that investment and, in, you know, breaking ground on a, call it craft distillation process, yeah. you know, on their grounds, you know, uh, to, to feed that inspiration, well, to feed that inspiration, but to also feed that, you know, curiosity. Um, that's the thing about these established brands. It's like, you know, we, we know them for what they are and what we get from them consistently over and over and over again. Um, 
and we have the most most respect for them. So, which is what the position we're in. I truly, truly, one of the main reasons I really love it is because we're actually challenging it. We're challenging mm. them, not so much to who can who can produce the most, but who's willing to take the most risk. Right. Yeah, I even just did a post last night um, on Instagram. Excuse me. Uh, on the final post for the episode with Whiskey Acres, which I encourage everyone to go oh, listen yeah, to. Yeah. Not because of us, but because oh, Nick wow. did such an amazing job of describing great, great what they're doing out there in DeKalb, literally from the ground up. Um, but I asked, I put like, you know, our, our motto at Star Ward is, is what can whiskey be? Yeah. And our team is going over Australia very soon. And our boss asked us to bring examples of that motto from America. Oh yeah. And so like That's cool. right through my head, um, <laughs> uh, as the dog swarms in anticipation <laughs> to use a potty person. pad, I hope. Uh, I was thinking of like right away, like what brands would, would show that? And like Whiskey Acres came right to mind, you know, like, okay, like this, these guys are making something completely new to themselves. And I'm thinking of like what Nick's doing up in Wisconsin, like oh, yeah. with his whole barrel aging system and yeah. blending completely different. Uh, one of my coworkers responded in our group Slack, uh, Seagrass. And I'm like, Oh yeah, right there, hundred um, percent. That's stellar. You know, like thinking of Pinhook when it comes to the blending process uh, with all that, and all these different brands to go on and on from America. And you're like, wow, like we're living. Oh, and Sonoma. What Adams doing was uh, what my boss wanted us to bring. Oh, um, like yes, yeah, Adams Spiegel's doing amazing stuff there. He's created his own invention of smoking by using local cherry wood. Like it's amazing. Like absolutely, like, there's so much going on in this country. And so much more of a legacy being created because they're defining whiskey in their own terms. Yeah. Um, not to sit here and harp on the moment because I know you have a long drive back to the suburbs. No, no, God, no worries about that. Um, I, I finish your thought because you you really I was, hit I, on something. I, I found really something awesome. in the back of my my notebook. I just tend to write down weird thoughts. That's cool. And I know this. It actually was very relatable to our conversation and to Bourbon Heritage Month, but um, we can. End it on this or continue after I read it. The choice is yours. Oh, good. And Lilo's. Yeah, she shoves a ball into my leg. <laughs> my grandfather taught me, when you're in the company of good people, you always have good whiskey. It's actually how I open or close every single tasting. I love it. <laughs> uh, when we open our hearts to good in the world, we're able to accept love for others and ourselves. Whiskey was a part of the conversation as I grew up. Although my family didn't indulge in the great invention of society all too much, they did celebrate the passages of life that deserved a toast with lighter, with lighter libations. And my grandfather always kept the word of whiskey and the banner of life alive through dedication and keeping the country alive through the words and the taste of whiskey. Hmm. Mumble jumbo. Yeah. That's a little deep because think about those words and the years that fed that. Mm. The years and the physical work that he did on those grounds fed that very quote. I also have no idea what prompted me to write this how long ago. 
still in the last page of my notebook. Yeah. So which which is a question in itself. Was that the sign? Was that the beginning? Was that a thought? Was that a you know? But your grandpa Bernie went through how many years was it that he was at Beam? Uh, like around 17, 18, something okay. like that. And then before that, he was in a service, if I remember correctly. No, he no? just was an engineer at various other places across engineer. North America. I just I just feel that sometimes, you know, we, 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 set our, we, set our, we set off into our day to go and do what you have to do. Mm. What we never think about is how is today going to be any different or how will it be different for tomorrow you can't plan for good times you can't plan for the perfect reunion when it comes to last life and love yeah. i step back and i look at planned family reunions and i scoff at them yeah. because they're never going to be they'll never be the turnout of what you predict inside of your mind when you go when you plan for a year you plan for two <laughs> years you yeah. book hotel rooms you book all of this there's all this organization and all this uh pressure that develops to be perfect yeah for me the best family reunions for my family in my own mind and through a, a couple conversations i've had with family after gaining this perspective over the last couple of years as it was taken away from us mm-hmm. because, of COVID, because of covid was tailgating at iowa football games there's no there's no Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, no assumptions as to how the day was going to go other than just sitting in a parking lot, grilling, <laughs> drinking some bush lights, <laughs> having a lot of laughs, having a really good time, yeah. maybe being bummed out at the end of the day that sure. the Hawkeyes lost. Sure. But I don't remember games yeah. as much as I remember those good times we had in a parking lot yeah. when it's freezing cold. Or maybe it's a beautiful Saturday yeah. in the fall of Iowa and it's 70 degrees outside and you got the sun shining down on you, a little red up to your face. Yeah. Not just from the alcohol. <laughs> but there, you're there with, and it's not just family, it's yeah. friends, it's friends of friends, it's old friends, it's new friends. Yeah. Um, there's so many people in my life that I'll see at those tiny little moments those tiny little passages of three four or five saturdays a year and that doesn't even add up to 24 hours in a time when you add up all that time together but it's like the it's the most i'll laugh and the most love you'll feel i i will feel throughout an entire year because it's pretty much just made up on the spot it's spontaneous it is Life and love can't be predicted. No. But it has to be consumed when it's presented in front of you. I love the point that you made about how all those Saturdays that you have taken to heart, obviously, don't add up to a full day. Mm-hmm. And that actually... Unless you're with Cousin Pete and Aunt Gina. <laughs> Unless you're with your Cousin Pete. <laughs> But it's interesting because it's a point that I here and there share Mm. with groups or people. But that's one ingredient that's never listed on a mash bill. 
time. Mm. Yeah. The age statement is there, but not the time of how long did that crop grow? Correct. How long did it take to get from the farmer to the distillery? How long did it take to mash and ferment? And then you can, if you know anything about whiskey, you can basically predict those times. You can. But if you're not a farmer. If you're not a farmer, if you're not a distiller, if you never, if you're not somebody who ever spent Excuse me. a certain amount of time in a distillery, yeah. how many hours of trial and error went on to make sure that what's in your glass is enjoyable? It's not in the mash bill. Mm-hmm. It's not on that age statement. And all that time equals history. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy your long, long month of bourbon heritage. And you know what? Enjoy each other. Cheers. Cheers.